Now there's a brand new web page, especially for this podcast. The Politocrat Daily Podcast can now be found on thepolitocrat.com. A brand new page that centralizes all of the places that you can listen to this podcast. The major platforms and many others at thepolitocrat.com. Lots of content that you can see there right now and every single day. So subscribe now to the Politocrat Daily Podcast and make sure you visit thepolitocrat.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Saturday, January the 16th, 2021. On this episode of The Politocrat, a conversation with Barbara Justison. She is the principal of Justison Market Intelligence and Vancouver Focus. She is a pollster, market analyst, data analyst, and researcher and consultant based in Vancouver, British Columbia. We'll be talking about polling, politics, and politics. And maybe a laugh or two as well. Coming up next. With me now on this edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast is Barbara Justison. She is the principal at Justison Market Intelligence and Vancouver Focus, and she is located in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And there's so much I would love to talk to her about. Um, The work she does, polling, the kinds of sectors she pulls in, and a number of other things of that nature. And it's funny because I'm someone that um, is not necessarily the biggest fan of polls, but that's polls in the United States. <laughs> I want to speak now to Barbara Justison, and I want to warmly welcome you, Barbara. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It- and hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello there. <laughs> i got to get some laughing in now. <laughs> It's 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 so great to have you on. Thank you very much. Um, you, okay. you, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a you have a really uh, distinguished and really um, really great career in polling and market analysis and research, and you've consulted with governments and with corporations and offered them advice and all kinds of things. Can you tell me first of all about what brought you into market research and data analysis and polling um, before we get into what you do. Wow. Okay. I thought after our, uh, <laughs> our pre-interview chat, <laughs> we left all the gold behind. Um, I got into it entirely. I won't say by mistake, but certainly not intentionally. Um, I, um, I, back door, side door. I, um was in university decided during a break to travel europe did that came back 
and um, decided I didn't really want to carry on with university. So I just went straight to work. Um, but I had uh, kind of nine tenths of an honors English degree. <laughs> and and um, just full of myself in my early 20s. And uh, I um, got one of the first Macintosh computers off the assembly line. And that's when desktop publishing was just getting started. And I built a little business uh, kind of replacing what typesetters did and, and doing, you know, publications, the kinds of things we, we uh, kind of take for granted now was a very new thing. It used to be you could only type on a typewriter mm -hmm. or on a word processor, but there wasn't something that replicated the high-end quality of, of uh, you know, print magazines, menus, that kind of thing. And uh, that led me to a job, uh, a temporary job at Decima Research, which was a, a major or the major conservative pollster uh, mm. in Canada uh, and a move for me to Toronto. And uh, I was basically just crawling around on the floor, plugging in computers. They'd gotten these new Mac computers and I was, um, I was kind of the nerd and uh, the, 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 the tech person. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also knew how to use them. So I was helping set up and I was helping do early versions of graphs. And we're talking about the mid eighties. Uh, it was just vile. Um, and um, that they kind of wanted me to stay because I knew how to work the, the machines and I knew how to teach people how to do it. I kind of didn't want to stay because I didn't want to be doing this. I wanted to do what they were doing because I'd had this light bulb moment. Uh, I was working on a presentation for the following day and it was predicting an election outcome. Uh, it was predicting, um, I can't remember what it was predicting. I'd have to go back in history. Um, probably conservative win in Canada and the demographics as well. And I was putting these charts together and I, I just had this light bulb exploding moment in my head. And it was like, wow, wow, this is so powerful. And so I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay in that industry. So I struck a deal. I'll keep doing charts and graphs for you if you train me up as an analyst as well. Great. Which doesn't really mean getting trained. It really, training these days, and then as well, it was just, okay, now you're an analyst. You have to do that job, and you have to really just figure it out and ask your questions. <laughs> There's, the training is just pure pain, pure pain. Um, so, yeah, mid-'80s, that's that's how mid to late eighties. That's how I got started. Mm -hmm. And then I was there for a couple of years working crazy hours and, uh, it was unsustainable. Uh, moved to Vancouver where I'd heard there was a lifestyle. <laughs> and, um, and there was, there really was. And I worked for a firm where we worked nine to five, pretty much sometimes some extra hours, but not really. Everyone had a life outside of work and, um, you know, the, demonstrating that you're good at what you do wasn't about putting in the hours. It was really about working efficiently. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found in the market that I'm in ever since. Wow. Well, I, that's really that's great. A, a long story, but long, long story short, bam, light bulb, and light bulb exploding. Like I, I suddenly just found it. Right. It was like love at first sight, <laughs> you know, yes. when you found, when sure. you found your person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I found my career. Well, I'm really pleased to hear that um, that you took the journey you've taken and you've found a lot of great uh, uh, happiness about that, that you've got to the place and got to it on your terms, which which is really important, too. There must be a great sense of fulfillment for you in that as well. 
I would imagine. I had something I didn't value that they couldn't live without. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could make a graph. <laughs> I have laughed more in the last three minutes then. <laughs> and I suspect the listeners and viewers have too, yes. <laughs> I was going to ask you about your company, Justice on Market Intelligence and Vancouver Focus, and talk about mm. what what you do there and what you, and what your company does in terms of the kinds of polling you do, um, the kinds of uh, market data and analysis you do. Can you talk about that for a few moments? Yeah, um, and I'm I'm going to explain the relationship between um, Justice and Market Intelligence, which we will now shorten to JMI. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> JMI and Vancouver Focus. Okay. Um, we're rebranding on the fly here. We're just, uh, so JMI is a um, full-service market and social research firm. Um, we are dedicated to um, basically the Western Canada and primarily the British Columbia research buying community. Um, and so with that in mind, we serve all sectors of the economy in this region. Um, when you're in a region, I don't, I don't consider this a region, this is the center of the universe as far as I'm concerned, but when you're in a region relative to the rest of the country, the organization has to be more of a generalist firm rather than a specialist. So we don't specialize, in marketing research there's a lot of specialties, there's customer satisfaction research, there's readership, there's media, there's telecommunications. So if you're in a national firm, you're probably going to find yourself in a practice as I did. Um, and I, I worked specifically in Toronto in the telecommunications practices. They were competing as um, the world or Canada was opening up competition for long distance telephone. Mm -hmm. If you remember those days. Oh, yes. Oh, you don't yes. have to admit it. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It was weird. Because now, like, who cares? Right. We skip the phones. We can do this, right? Exactly. But back in the day, it was a big deal. And they were monetizing our family contacts and everything. But uh, in Vancouver, um, we're more of a generalist firm. And, and our specialty is the, the British Columbia public. So the general population of this region. And, um, and there's nothing general about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we... What, we do all kinds of uh, everything from marketing research where we're determining how shoppers behave to political uh, uh, election outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, juice, what flavor of juice do you like? Uh, we're on a national scale. You'd be, you know, you would be a VP with a team dedicated to taste tests or to <laughs> customer satisfaction research or something like that. So we really get to play in a lot of, um, a lot of sandboxes here. Uh, and um, what we're good at is understanding this marketplace. We understand the people here. We understand the way they behave around certain things. We understand a lot about the voting history. And, um, and in a country like Canada, which is famously bilingual, um, French and English, um, it's interesting that in Vancouver, our bilingualism is um, really English and, excuse me, Mandarin, or English and Cantonese uh, earlier before we had the big, the big uh, uh, move from Hong Kong here. Mm. 
Mm. So yeah, a lot of a lot of Cantonese, even wow. more Mandarin here. Wow. Yeah, so that's our secondary language. We have a lot of uh, um, uh, South Asian residents as well who speak uh, Punjabi, Hindi, Urdu. Um, the city of North Vancouver, which is part of the district of Metro Vancouver, has I think in the range of ten percent Farsi speaking mm. people as well. So as a pollster, those are things you have to understand. And we get in pretty deep uh, to really understand what are the, the language needs of the communities we're trying to speak to, what are uh, the particular cultures, what are things like, um, for example, in some Asian communities, people avoid extremes on a scale. Mm. So if they like something a lot, it might be more like an 8 out of 10 rather than a 10 out of 10. Mm. Well, those are just things to be conscious of um, if you've got a five-point scale of uh very uh, extremely unfavorable to extremely favorable about say a corporation mm -hmm. um there to some degree there's less comfort um in the asian community of you even if they like something a lot of not using that extreme number mm. uh, so those are things to be aware of uh and they are things that i think the um the national pollsters are doing a fantastic job of understanding the country as a whole. And I, I think an organization like ours and other firms in this market as well, really understand this local market really, really well. And it's just so interesting. It's, it's uh, uh, like the, the language issues, like these, these cultural issues. They're not issues, but, but characteristics. Um, so anyway, uh, JMI is a full service market opinion research firm. Vancouver Focus is really the hotel for focus groups. So it's a it's an it's a focus group facility. It's a it's a focus group business that JMI wholly owns, and and uh, we have a, a staff on that side of the business as well. So it's Sweet. JMI in on the whole is owns that whole piece, and the separately branded Vancouver Focus is just that operations bit that uh, hosts a focus group, records them, feeds the clients in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> Let's people sign in. It's it's a service to the marketing research industry where JMI is a service to the end clients. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. I, I, you talked about... You were trying to know that, weren't I you? I was. That's trying. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> and I'm glad that you shared that with us. <laughs> I do, honestly. I mean, that's not being facetious. It I had to just... get it off my chest, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. burning in me. Just say all that. Yeah, of course. You've been waiting for a long time to say that. Yeah. Um, Barbara, the, the thing I wanted to ask, because you just talked about you poll people on a, a number of different things. I guess basically, mm -hmm. I think you may have even said shampoo, or I'm saying shampoo. What, what, you know, what kind of shampoo does somebody use? What kind of whatever? I mean, well, I'm probably I being a little... I 30 years I've ever done shampoo. You haven't? Okay. I have not. Oh, wow. Oh, well. I might have to look back. Feminine hygiene. Okay, because I was going to ask you, are they, right, feminine hygiene. I was going to ask you, is it's there... There's a real a, gender thing there. Right. So is, is there a subject that you Greater want... Greater usage among women than among men. Right, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. It's, it's an right. insight. Right. <laughs> what we do. Oh, by the way, before I ask you this, <laughs> didn't didn't Canada? I know Scotland did it. Didn't Canada just recently also um, 
make uh, feminine hygiene products tax free or something? Not Scotland did. It was Scott because I know Scotland yeah. did. But did yeah, Canada I, not do that also, or am I completely getting that wrong? I know Scotland I definitely did. Or maybe, maybe it was Australia or somebody. Yeah. You confused Canada with Australia. No, no, no. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's cool. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, and, and Scotland, which is also really cool. Um, yeah, Scotland did that. They did do uh, that, yes. Yeah. Back yeah, in November, I think it was. November of yeah. 2020, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was a, a real, uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty tremendous uh, thing to see that happen. And I don't know that it's it's as clear cut as, you know, you and I hear this and we go, oh, so you just go to the store and grab some. Right, right. I don't think so. I, I think it's, I think there's something different. I, I think that you can access it if you can't afford it. I'm not absolutely certain. Yeah, and I'm not I'm, either, actually, to tell you, yeah. to be honest. I need to yeah. get that out correct as well. But I was going to ask you, is you would be able to go there and really say, I need this right, right, and get right. it for free? Right. I don't think you could test it. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> test, test the plan. But, but yeah, still a, yeah. a great step forward. Yeah, uh, it is. I, I'm not going to go all um, uh, really uh, strong feminist on this, but um women are taxed in so many ways and and that's one of them certainly um, i uh, the haircuts cost so much more although my daughter just started cutting mine so okay not, not too bad did she did a pretty good job it's great <laughs> I see, yeah. yeah that word is very important to use in in moments like yeah. that <laughs> yes yeah. um i'd love i'd love to see canada do that i'd love to see yeah. um I'd love to see women in the United States get more than um, a few weeks paid leave for maternity, uh, for maternity time. I'd love to see them get paid leave. You know, some people do, some people don't. But, yes. uh, right. um, you know, there's, there's another tax on women. Definitely. Let's not even talk about dry cleaning. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. We'll have to have a yeah. separate, uh, separate episode <laughs> conversation on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, is there anything in polling that yourself and your group and your corporate and your company would not ask. Of course. I mean, I mean, I don't want that to sound like it's a silly question because I don't necessarily yeah. think it is. Um, because I, my, my whole point here in asking it, by the way, is that I, I am of the mind that polling is inherently political. And yeah. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why I say this. Because I think that the way you are, and, and, and this is why it was important, especially not only to have you on, but that you said that the that Vancouver is made up of these different groups of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because in my view, polling is inherently political, whether because you talk, there's obviously there's conservative and liberal pulses. That's not what I'm getting at. Yeah. How you ask a question obviously informs the answer and the techniques and methods you use yeah. in procuring and directing that question at a subset of people in a population does mm -hmm. make a difference, you know, and what kind of slant a pollster may have if, if that pollster has a slant or if it's just a direct bread and butter question, if that question may implicate different cultures in the way that culturally that question may not fit the group it's being directed at. That's really one of the key questions I wanted 
to ask you about. And that's why I began it with, well, is there anything you haven't asked anybody? Because that's the background of the question. I should have preceded it with that. But the politics of polling. We haven't done the shampoo. Right. So there's that. Right. Sorry, go ahead. No, I I, I guess my whole point, my whole point in, in asking that was about the politics of polling. Because here in the United States, I think polling is really political. And it's not just because, well, again, people on the left, the right, the center, or wherever they are, are polling different groups of people in different political parties. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's a whole industry here in the U.S. with people polling, and they usually bring their own political analysis to the polling. And I'm not so sure you can necessarily separate those. So I think that's why the genesis of my question to you, Barbara, was about, you know, is there anything you haven't asked or you wouldn't ask? And then the whole piece of, well, you've got a very diverse community in Vancouver, as you have laid out. Um, Have you, is that been an issue? Has that been something when you, because the power of a question really means a lot and how you ask that question means a lot. I mean, a lot of news organizations ask certain questions and I don't think we understand the methodology. So that's the first thing. And then the methodology itself for you, what your company does method-wise. But the political angle, do you, what are your views on that? Um, do you think polling is political in any way or inherently, or is it just really literally about numbers, questions, and answers? Well, I think we have to kind of, uh, that's an exceptional question, by the way. And I, I think it's one that, uh, people that do what I do, pollsters, um, are constantly grappling with, particularly, um, particularly now as as the world has become more divisive, where we have reputations riding on us nailing election outcomes, and uh, frankly, uh, I've actually been doing my my um, analysis of the firm recently of how we're making our money. Uh, Now, this isn't my quote. Someone else, I think a former boss said this, political polling is 90, uh, is 5% of our our revenue and 95% of our problems. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's the work that we do that becomes most public. We're, most of us, um, even when we fail, we keep going back and doing political polling. And that's because it's an opportunity, even if we're not paid for it, it's an opportunity for us to test our methodology. So that's the first thing. If we can nail the election outcome, um, so we're doing a political poll in the period leading up to the actual election day, or even while voting is going on, as it was in the United States in the last uh, presidential race and the, uh, the Senate runoffs in, in Georgia, Um, if you can do polling during that time and and then you can nail the popular vote, even if it doesn't reflect um, the seat count in Canada or uh, the Electoral College in the United States, if it reflects the popular vote, you know what you're doing is working. So my, whatever bias I have, and you and I have talked long enough that you know I I have my own personal bias. Yes, yes. I'm not a robot or data from Star Trek. Um, I have I have uh, uh, my own leanings, but I'm not doing what I do to cause anything. I'm doing what I do to make sure I'm doing what I do correctly. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm doing a poll to make sure that the methodologies I use for all of these other surveys that I do that are more private, that um, uh, that generally don't get into the public eye, I'm doing that so I can A, say to the client, see, I got this right so I can do it for you. I'm using the same approach and I can get your work right as well. And so we do that for our credibility We and the feather in our hat. <laughs> There's a painful exception. The 2013 provincial election in British Columbia, um, we all, all the pollsters got it wrong. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just looking forward to that moment when that is 10 years ago. <laughs> it's a year ago right now. I, I, and all I can say is they, they told me I could get one in 20 wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> That's, you know, 19 times out of 20, so I got that one wrong. Whoa. Um, so we do what we do uh, as pollsters, except when we're being paid as pollsters. And I, on occasion, I take on a, a, a party and we'll, we'll work with a party or a candidate. Um, but a lot of the times I'm just doing this um, to test our methodology as a little bit of um, vanity, I guess, to put it out there, let people see that we're doing this as a favor to the media. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, it's so anxiety ridden, but hopefully as a way to demonstrate to the world, to potential clients that we can do this, <clears throat> but most importantly, to to check our methodology. So with that in mind, why would I let my bias cause anything in the findings? I'm not sharing my opinion when I share research results. I'm sharing the opinions of um, the 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 people that we've talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, their their opinions, and given our methodologies, I'm sharing the opinions of the population as a whole because we believe and we have found <laughs> that this sampling process will in fact predict or reflect. Predict not so much, things change. Mm-hmm. 2013 is proof. Um, as I say, <laughs> they all change their minds. Um, uh, but political political polling will um, predict, uh, or sorry, reflect the 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 outcome or the the opinion in that moment. Um, So I want to reflect the real opinions and not mine. Right. So we have approaches, we have ways of asking the questions and it's not like ways of making you talk kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a series of questions that lead into a question about how they plan to vote or which party's candidate they plan to vote for. And we don't deviate too much from that. Um, we, we have an opening question that really gets a sense of kind of what are your top issues of concern? And we take that down and we might share that publicly in the, in the research findings or not, mm. but it's really just to get their heads around current issues. And then that leads into questions about their voting intention and perhaps their likelihood, um, their past voting behavior, uh, like whether they voted as well and their intention to vote upcoming. And I'm not gonna like share all the secret sauce of with course. you. But it's questions like that, that that lead the person gently. And we are leading them, but we're leading them to a place where they're digging a little deeper into their own minds to determine um, where they stand. Because this is on my mind. I have a sense it's on your mind all the time. We're not normal. <laughs> normal. <laughs> normal people are not obsessing about politics every second of the day. I have a hard time believing not all people are obsessing about politics, at least in the U.S. right now. But um, Canadians are obsessing about politics in the U.S. 
I could talk so much, so much more articulately <laughs> right now about the United States than, than about Canada. <laughs> um, but uh, but normal people aren't doing that. So we we have to gently take them to a place where their heads are in that place, and that's the series of questions we ask. And for that reason, there are certainly questions we would never ask. Right. Um, and I can't tell you what the hardest thing is. I think like, pe- people have to use their imaginations on that. I yeah, would think. Did you have yeah. sex last night? We're not going to ask that. Right, right. You know? Right. Lots of questions we're not going to ask. <laughs> um, and in fairness, there's um, we can ask biased questions. If I'm working for um, the communications department of a corporation, for example, um, they may, or the or the advertising department, they may want me to test leading questions, uh, or or very biased statements to determine whether that reaches people, whether whether people attach to it or find it offensive, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, or argument testing. Um, we've had some interesting things in BC about the resource sector. Um, one of them was called the Northern Gateway Pipeline, which was a project by Enbridge. Mm-hmm. And the plan was to uh, the, the challenge. One of the challenges Alberta, the province next to us, faces is how to get the oil from the oil sands out to market, mm. and how to how to get that and oh, oh, market. As it turns out, it happens to be China. Um, so how do we get the? They know how to get the oil out of it. They don't out, out of the sands. They don't know how to get. It's not that they don't know how to, but getting it out of a landlocked province out to port requires cooperation from British Columbia, in particular, the coastal areas. Mm-hmm. And there was a plan for a project uh, in uh, the, the more northern areas uh, for a pipeline from Alberta to a city called Kitimat. And there was going to be a pipeline going all, all along there. And a lot there were a lot of pollsters looking at it, including us. Well, a lot of the polling looked at the pipeline part of the project. And there was you know, 50-50, sometimes a little bit more support than opposition to the idea of a pipeline because we have pipelines crisscrossing the province and crisscrossing the country. And we've got a few pipelines going into your country as well, yes. out of Alberta. Yes, yes you, yes you <laughs> um, do. So, so there was a, there's a certain level of tolerance, which we didn't need it, but solar energy is a long ways away. So yes, put the put the pipe in the ground, send it to, uh, send it to Kitimat. But when you add to that the complication of, Hmm. This is not a pipeline to nowhere. What happens in Kitimat? Well, what happens in Kitimat is that uh, super tankers, first ever along that part of the BC coastline, super tankers, huge. Um, the plan was to bring those super tankers up the coast. It's it's very um, um, it's virgin land. It's virgin virgin coastline. Um, not entirely, but uh, they've never seen something of this size in that area. And it's very, you've heard of um, um, the west, uh, the passage, the inside passage. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've got BC here. Oh, and I'm doing it. Okay. I'm doing it opposite. Yeah. Me, Cause it's the other coast, side. Yeah. Yeah. Coastline. We've got BC. We've got, is this right? If I'm doing this. Is yes. West? Yes. Is that what? Okay, and we've got Vancouver Island, right. and we've got Haida Gwaii, right. and we've got that area between the mainland right. and the islands. And within um, the mainland area, there's a major island, but there's also a lot of little tiny islands and something called the Inside Passage. Mm. And um, 
the the uh, super tankers were not necessarily going to traverse that inside passage, which is a really tricky area to traverse. But they were going to be in it for crossing that region, and that that's a lot of kilometers or miles uh, to cross to get into the Kitimat port. So anyway, once the public were aware of this complication, that there it's it's a pipeline and super tanker proposal. It's not just a pipeline proposal. They don't mind the pipelines particularly. Each individual is unique. So there were people against it, people for it. But generally, a majority were okay with the pipelines. Once you had the super tankers in, it was a no-go. And the project eventually failed. Um, this led to, um, prior to the failure, uh, Enbridge was working awfully hard to keep this up and running. Uh, a bunch of the polling, I, I'd done a lot of polling uh, for several years in that period, and a final poll that just said, you know, the public say this is a no-go. That doesn't mean the government won't approve it. That doesn't mean the federal government won't approve it. It doesn't mean the, the provincial government won't cooperate with it. But the general public in Brit British Columbia, particularly along the coastline, were just, no, forget mm -hmm. it. We don't want it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the final polling that I did on it ended up being uh, picked up by people uh, um, sympathetic to Enbridge, probably yeah, Enbridge folks, they made a video about it, uh, discrediting the research. <laughs> it was it was awful. I should send you, if I can find it, I should send you the video. And my name's all over the newspaper articles. It, it was just like devastating. I'm dropping my daughter off at a dance class and I'm getting calls from the media about my terrible polling. Oh, I want to be sick right now just remembering it. And, uh, oh, but like uh, three days of my life were gone. I had to drop everything. Um, someone else had to pick up my daughter from her, her dance class. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to write an opinion piece for the Vancouver Sun. I had to completely, you know, respond to this, uh, to this discrediting of us. So circling back to what we were talking about, <laughs> it's so important to me that I not get swayed by my own personal opinions. It's really important to me and it's important to all, to all pollsters. I hope it is anyway. Okay, I'll say it another way. It should be important to all pollsters that we don't bring our personal opinions into it. We don't go, you know, and I may even have a personal agenda. Someday I may even have a, uh, um, a sign outside promoting a candidate, but that has nothing to do with uh, how I poll. Right. Uh, I'm not, I'm just not going to cause uh, my personal views to get in the way of that because if my personal views get in the way of that i'm going to fail as a pollster i'm like literally going to fail it's not just me morally somewhere uh oh i feel like a terrible person no it, it's i'm going to screw it up i'm going to get it wrong right right and, and i can't get it wrong i can't afford to get it wrong absolutely and and you already answered the question i was going to next ask you which was about oh sorry i just went on and on no but no 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 actually this is good no this is this is why the conversation is good because when you flow in this way, in terms of talking about these issues, it's just, it makes the conversation easier and it makes it easier for everyone to listen to and tune into because we're basically hitting all these points and it, it makes it even smoother. I was going to ask you about that and you've, you've, you've answered it, which was about the um, getting people somehow, are people misinterpreting your work? And, and, and you've told me, you know, that the media was haranguing you <laughs> just relentlessly. Well, in fairness, they're responding to a, in that case, a, a YouTube video that was put out to the media 
that was discrediting me. So it, right. it, what, the media that, was doing their job. Right. Um, it, it was really... I should have been... Right, I should have been clearer. I, I should have said, and I meant to say, right, has anybody discredited your work? And, and, and you answered oh, it by cool. talking about this group that put out the YouTube page, the YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, uh, and it, it's constant. I mean, it's it's just... If I have a, if I put out a poll and it's sponsored by a political candidate, they hired us to do it and asked us to publish it on our page as well as publishing it on their page. As soon as they, they read the details of the research, this research was conducted by us and sponsored by so-and-so political candidate for such and such electoral district. Um, people will just jump on that and assume that I got bought. Like, mm. like I could be in business for all this time yeah. and be, in, be for sale in that way. It's, and uh, that brings me to something that I have to ask you. We talk about it, gender, um, because you've just touched on it. Again, you've anticipated the question. You have had a venerable career in this. You've done this. You had a lot of experience doing what you're doing. And you're you're obviously expert at it. You're an expert, one of the top leading market research people and data analyses people in Vancouver and beyond. And so you have a long, distinguished track record of doing this. You pointed just now to well. I'll get you everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you. you and it's all it's all it's all true. I might I might say people can, and I'm going to link to um, your website, which I'll ask you to talk about in a few moments, uh, so okay. people can see that I am not. <laughs> but this is very true. What I'm saying <laughs> that I want to ask you, Barbara, about gender, and I, I and maybe people, women, are fed up of having to answer a question like that. Women of all races. Fe probably fed up of especially men asking that question of them, um, you know, because you know, I can talk about race and all of those other mm -hmm. things as well that are very important. But how much of an attack in any kind of way, I'm not even talking physical, but just kind of these attacks on the work you do, do you sense might be, OK, they're attacking me and it's gender based? Rather than, oh, the numbers, they don't like the numbers that I put up here because it doesn't favor them. But maybe there's also an element of, uh, you know, sexism or gender bias or any kind of thing, even misogyny, depending on the kind of force of the responses you get for your polling. Um, now, in the general public, um, I don't... It, Occasionally, I'll go to Reddit and Google my name. I don't know why. Um, and, and you'll see discussions on polling. And every once in a while, there will be a comment on, on me or my firm. And I've never heard of this firm. And it's just sort of discrediting us because they've never heard of us. Um, there are others who will take the fact that we were sponsored by this candidate or... Um, uh, or, yeah, we did a poll a while ago and we were sponsored by supporters of another, uh, of the guy who won the election and we predicted he would. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, because it was sponsored by this group. Yeah, so it's, it's that kind of thing. So they'll take that. Having said that, I, I think until a few years ago, I was blind to the idea that um, I was, if I was being ridiculed, that 
I was being ridiculed for my gender. Um, I think there is some of that. And I've got to say, it's worse within my industry. Because there are, I think I'm possibly among, if not the only woman that is doing this. I can't say for sure that I am. Uh, but uh, if it's nationwide, I'm generally not involved. I'll do um, federal election polling for uh, the city of Vancouver for a riding within the region. Um, and uh, sometimes national pollsters will come in and kind of try to do the same thing. And what I was saying to you earlier about really knowledge, I have, I have a particular advantage because I really understand this region. A national pollster, if they apply their national techniques to a tiny population, it's going to be tougher for them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are great at it. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, pain I guess I've suffered or the ridicule I've witnessed of me <laughs> And the number of pollsters I've muted or blocked, um, um, it occurred to me, and like at my age, I'm shocked that it took me this long to realize it, but there's a gender thing. There's possibly a gender thing attached to it. The common denominator in the amount of ridicule I receive is that each time it's at me <laughs> and I'm female. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I don't know. Often it's just my firm's name and people don't know. In fact, my, my colleague Jeff sometimes gets mail for Jeff Justison and that's not his name. It's Jeff Bird. Okay. <laughs> and he's our research director. But some people think he's the Justison of the firm. So yeah. you remember that show with um, Stephanie Zimbalist? Yes. Where she had to hire a guy? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> give her credibility. I did not hire Jeff for that reason. But on occasion, you know, it's just interesting. Uh, that people assume he's he's leading the firm, and in many ways he is leading the firm um, in terms of, of running the the full service side of the business and making those decisions. But um, in terms of the name, it is my name, right? And I named it after me because um, uh, my name was no one in this market, and I thought that was the best way to go. But yeah, in this in this country. Um, um, it's it's a relatively small polling and, and research community. We're a smallish country, and um, we all pretty much know each other. And um, uh, the amount of times I've been attacked by people in my own industry, mm. it's uh, and generally, well, it's always men, but it's also always men that do the polling. Um, I think I assumed at the time that they were challenging me for the same reason they challenge anyone else. And I have to give them the benefit of the doubt for that. Um, if they're, if they're truly horrible to everyone. And I think they may be, <laughs> I can't take it personally, <laughs> but the gender thing is interesting from another perspective. Again, I ignored feminism. I ignored, um, the idea of misogyny, uh, affecting my career in any way. Um, just made my own life decisions and felt that I was number one, living off the avails of the Gloria Steinems and the other women that came before and really paved the, the, the road and just didn't want to go there. Um, on the other hand, I realized that I was making life decisions that were to kind of use and not use Sheryl Sandberg had me leaning away from toxic situations. I've worked in, in several corporate environments 
And I always found myself getting out of that. And it's because I saw the ceiling. The, the glass ceiling was was not transparent. I could see it, you know? And it was like thick glass. Wow. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to make my way uh, through that organization. I also think I'm, my, my temperament suits what I do. Nonetheless, it was evident to me that um, in, in the corporate environments I've been in, there was a limit to where I was going to go with my career. Mm-hmm. So I've really been able to take charge of it this way. So I'm grateful for that. But misogyny brought me here. Well, that's a that's a powerful and telling line, and it's a line that every woman listening uh, knows very well about. And every man who does it engages in the toxic masculinity and the patriarchy that embodies and emboldens and fuels it. And I think every listener knows that that is the absolute truth and the experience the world over. Yeah. Um, and and I'm so thankful that you are doing what you're doing and you have probably a lot more experience than a lot of those men on top of all of that. Um, I, I do want to ask you, yeah, I, I do want to ask you, um, one last thing. And that is mm-hmm. what advice Barbara would you give to people who are coming into or want to get into the line of work that you do? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so my firm isn't hiring. Um, But looking past this, um, I, and I hate to use myself as an example because I got into this in a way that was not typical. As as I said at the start, um, I just kind of rode my own train into this business and found it and loved it and and made myself a pain in the ass to people. And I had a little bargaining chip. I knew how to do the desktop publishing they needed. So um, I don't know. I'm embarrassed when I look back at how I was. Um, you know, so I don't have the, I've taught students at, at a university level, but I haven't actually got a degree. I've got a, I've got a professional designation, but I didn't, I didn't go the traditional route. I don't recommend that for people. Don't drop out of school and think that you can do this. I, there was a perfect storm of opportunity for me as I got into this business and, and, uh, uh, and a, a certain level of, of obnoxiousness and self-entitlement that I had that, yeah, no, I get to be here. And no, I do get to phone you every day to find out when you're going to fire that person that you are going to fire so that I can have that person's job, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. Don't do that because now I'm embarrassed and it would, it would annoy us. Um, get your degree, at least a bachelor's degree. Uh, and I don't think a master's is required. Um, it doesn't matter what the degree is in. Um, there are a few education programs that focus on marketing research. One is out of Georgian college in Ontario. Um, and, and there are others now, and this is a relatively new thing. Um, it doesn't have to be a statistics background or a mathematical background at all. Uh, market researchers do algebra. We're taking word, word problems and making numbers out of them. And then we're taking those numbers and putting them back into words. And the math is, for the most part, a grade 10 level. If it gets h- harder than that, we have people for that. 
we have people for the advanced statistics. And a lot of those people are, are folks that are not comfortable doing this part of it. So uh, good communication skills. And, and then um, it's an industry that doesn't suit everyone. And your brain has to have a certain wonk to it to um, kind of understand the concept of these numbers representing people. And, and um, you know, you can find out in an internship probably whether it suits you or not. Um, and, uh, but I think that the key thing is to, um, find it, try it out and decide whether you love it. And if you love it, you don't have to decide, you'll know. Um, that's something I found, uh, just, I, I recognized the power of the information I was looking at, uh, the predictability, the fact that you can know beforehand what's going to happen. Like it's just magic. It's uh, so, uh, you know, and I, I'm not going to say that everyone is going to have that light bulb going off moment. I did, um, but it may be a slow burn for you instead. So, yeah, go go to some informational interviews, find out a little bit more about the industry, ask for an opportunity to not work, but hang out. You'll have to sign all the non-disclosure agreements and that kind of thing, but hang out for a couple of days at an office when the pandemic's over. Right. Whenever, <laughs> It'd be really boring. <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> because we're just all either on the phone or writing reports or, right. you know, um, uh, but in a busier office where, where the activities are very clearly defined um, or to follow a principal around a principal researcher around to meetings. Um, if you could do that kind of thing. Right. Uh, uh, and, and just see if it's, if it interests you. I, I think the other key thing is in this, you've got to be up on current events. You've got to be. Um, and in a market like Vancouver, you've got to be up on local events. You've really got to know what's going on in this market um, and what the, the municipal political concerns are. And you've got to care about that stuff. I've worked with people, having said that, I've worked with people that just aren't. They get into it when they're doing the poll. Um, but I know for me, if I can't have a conversation, a lucid conversation about current events in the city with someone, that's not going to work for me because you're, you're obviously like, you're obviously just not interested. And if you're not interested, it's, it, it's just not the industry for you. Go do something on a national level or, uh, or, you know, a communications firm about <laughs> something that doesn't require you to talk to municipal politicians, which doesn't happen. So everyone should be <laughs> go read your Google news at, at the very least. Right. Read your Google news. <laughs> One, I really appreciate that. One last thing. Can you tell everybody uh, who's listening and watching um, social media, your firm's name on the web, you know, the website for it, anything oh. that you'd like us to know additionally? Okay. Uh, the easy website address for the firm is jmi.co. I'm on Twitter at Barb Justison. Wonderful. B-A-R-B-J-U-S-T-A-S-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn too. Um, I dropped Facebook in 2016. You know why? Tell me. You totally know why. I should know why, but I, I don't know if everybody <laughs> else does. <laughs> <laughs> because Facebook helped get Trump elected. Yes, and the uh, yeah, Cambridge Analytica thing too. Since we're talking yeah. about data and yeah. mining, yeah. data mining—that the a whole mm -hmm. other per pernicious, a real pernicious universe 
um, that we could talk about, I'm sure, again, uh, or at some point, uh, in addition to what you've done. Love to. Yeah. 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 I, I'm just getting going here. I mean, we could just do a whole other segment if we, you want. We, I'm we, we really, no. we really could. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to thank you so very yeah, much. I'll need a bio break. Maybe we'll do it another day. You, you have been in the wonderful company of uh, the one and only Barbara Justison. She is the principal of Justison Market Intelligence and Vancouver Focus. And uh, just someone who's been in the business, uh, knows her way around it, is one of the foremost leading experts in what she does in uh, data analysis, market research and polling in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Visit sometime. It's a, it's a great place, I'm told. I need to go there myself. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you very much indeed, Barbara Justison, for being here today on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Thank you. Special thanks to Barbara Justison. She is the principal of the Justison Market Intelligence and the JMI Group, I guess it's called, <laughs> as she as she so memorably said. And also Vancouver Focus. She is someone with a long and distinguished career in polling, market analysis, data management, and all manner of things, consultation with governments, corporations, and market sectors across Canada, particularly in Vancouver, British Columbia. Barbara Justison, really appreciate her time on this edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. I'm Omar Moore. Now there's a brand new web page, especially for this podcast. The Politocrat Daily Podcast can now be found on thepolitocrat.com, a brand new page that centralizes all of the places that you can listen to this podcast, the major platforms, and many others at thepolitocrat.com. Lots of content that you can see there right now and every single day. So subscribe now to the Politocrat Daily Podcast and make sure you visit thepolitocrat.com. Thank you.